everyone. Welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is John Lee, the founder of Custom Mobile, a company that builds apps for content creators. When John approached me to be a guest on the show, he listed a number of topics he was willing to discuss. When I explained the show format and how we usually like to look at a single word and dig into its meaning, John came up with one that united all his previous suggestions, purpose. Today, we'll be looking at intentionality within a philosophical context. All right, John, um, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you um, coming on and be willing to talk to us. Thanks for having me, Joel. I'm excited. Yeah. So um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and, and what you do? So my day job is as a software product manager. Um, I work with a team of developers and we work on one piece of software that the company I work for uh, uses on a day-to-day basis. The content management system powers the website. On the side, like you said, I have a small business, a small agency building mobile apps for podcasters like yourself who want to have their own mobile app to offer the listeners and as a way to engage the listeners further and ultimately convert them to be customers. So that's a side business I've been running since about January. We have about 45 clients so far and are growing it slowly but steadily. Hoping to break even by the end of the year and just continue growing that on the side. Nice. Very cool. So um, how did you become interested in, in philosophy? Yeah, this is one of those interests that I discovered later in life. I think I must have been around 28, 29 in grad school. Um, yeah, I, mean, I was unemployed for a little while when, um, after grad school. It was kind of the height of the, the last recession. had a hard time finding work. And just in that time, I was looking at a lot of YouTube debates between Christians and atheists at the time. And I just, I love thinking about these big questions. So it's one of those things that um, I found interesting, again, like not as a young person, but later in life. And I, I love thinking through the bigger questions, thinking through some of my own assumptions and the reasons maybe why I believe what I believe. And so, yeah, it's been a passion ever since. And I expect it to be an interest of mine for the rest of my life. Yeah, philosophy is kind of an interesting thing like that because, um, you know, it's one of those things, everybody has a philosophy on things. Everybody everybody thinks a certain way about stuff, um, but how much you reflect on it and, you know, how it affects your everyday life, um, sometimes it can sort of sneak up on you. You know, you'll be thinking about something like this, you know, the a God versus um, atheist sort of argument. And then all of a sudden you'll realize, well, hey, I, I believe one way or the other, but why do I believe that? And then you sort of have to dig into the reasons for, for why you think the way you do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we all hold a lot of beliefs just for granted. And, you know, fair enough, we don't have the time to go through each and every one of our beliefs and dissect whether they're logically consistent or not. But kind of like what you said, some questions hit me um, more so than others. And then I just, I can't stop thinking about them. Luckily, that, that doesn't happen all the time. So yeah, it could be months in between something that really strikes me and I've got to dig into it. But yeah, it's really enjoyable when you get to the bottom of something and understand it for yourself. Yeah, that's the thing is the human thought process. You know, some of it's automatic and, and some of it is, you know, real deliberative. And uh, it, can, it can be sort of paralyzing if you start picking apart every single um, little decision that you're making. But, you know, with some big things, it is it important to kind of um, figure out why you think the way you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think diving into philosophy um, helped you in your pursuit of starting a, a business, starting a company? Um, 
they're not directly related, but I guess the, the habit of thinking things through is helpful in any endeavor for work or for business. Um, yeah, so I think in terms of keeping an open mind and thinking through and experimenting with different ideas, translate to, to, to running a business because um, starting a business is really hard. I didn't know what I was doing when I started and it takes a lot of experimentation and failure to finally get to something that kind of works for a little while. So it, it's constantly challenging my, uh, my mind, challenging me to think of new ideas and try new things. So in that respect, I think it, it does help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of law programs, like becoming a lawyer and that sort of stuff. Um, I was talking to one of my friends, he's saying, you know, in law programs, it's less about teaching you the law because there's so many laws, you're not going to memorize them all and you're going to have, you're going to be able to look back and, and reference them on paper anyway. So a lot of law school is actually learning how to think, you know, learning yeah. critical thinking and, and learning how to sort of objectively look at something and figure it out. And I think um, in some ways in having an independent business or being a business owner is kind of similar. Um, you know, I don't have a business of my own, but I'm, I'm a musician. So I, you know, I sell music and, and, and merchandise, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, a lot of it's trying to figure out those, those little problems in a way that, that, that makes sense. Yes. So we've, we've talked a lot about purpose already. Um, why did this particular subject appeal to you? Where did it begin? I, you know, I, I think it began when I finished reading Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. So that was a book that my father-in-law recommended I read, uh, read a couple of months ago. I finished that, and I think that's where the thought started. Um, and I started distinguishing between purpose and meaning. I think in that book, that author kind of conflates those two words. But as I thought about those two words, um, I thought, you know, I think they have distinct meanings, and I think they're related. So that's where it started, I think. Um, so in yeah. a nutshell, I think... You need to have a purpose first in order for everything to be meaningful. In, or, in order for your life to be meaningful, there has to be a purpose or a goal that's assumed. Um, and so if there isn't a purpose, then everything kind of loses its meaning. And I thought of as an example, like in any story, think of Lord of the Rings, for example, there's Frodo um, or Bilbo. Right? The, Bilbo was the hobbit. He's going to the mountain. He's got a purpose. So... With that purpose in place, everything he experiences on the journey is meaningful toward achieving that purpose. If there were no purpose and he was just walking on a trail aimlessly, then I couldn't see how any of the experiences that he would have on that rambling walk would be meaningful because there wouldn't be a purpose for those events to tie to. So that's, that was the beginning of me thinking through purpose and meaning as separately but related concepts. Yeah, wow, that's a fascinating take. Um, cause that is something I was gonna ask about later and we will get into it a little bit later is, um, how purpose and, and meaning interrelate, but yeah, Victor, uh, you know, Victor Frankl, he has an amazing story, you know, being in, um, you know, Nazi Germany and concentration camps and stuff. And that's definitely one I'd, I'd encourage listeners to, to read if they're, if they're interested in philosophy. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good example of thinking about it. Um, Bilbo or Frodo Baggins, you know, traveling. They could have all the same events happen to them in the story, but without the having the purpose of taking the ring back to Mordor, um, you know, what kind of meaning would any of those events have? 
um, I guess on some level you could say the meaning of it might um, be diverted to survival, you know, in, in case, you know, when they're being attacked and stuff. But as far as an overarching purpose for all the things that happened, yeah, it would, it would be completely different. So that that's a really good take. Yeah, like as you're speaking, I'm thinking about like narrative, maybe meaning apart from survival, which I think, yeah, you're right. Um, in an evolutionary worldview where all there is is matter and motion, on all we are products of evolution, survival is the only meaning there could be. But if we're thinking about other kinds of meaning, um, I think our lives have to fit into some kind of a story structure or a narrative in order for that meaning to, to arise. So there's some thoughts I was having. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So yeah, kind of playing off of that, one of the topics you suggested uh, when we first began talking was um, theism versus atheism. So uh, what role do you believe purpose or intentionality plays in this, in the debate between the two of them? Yeah, I mean, I think in theism, in a theistic worldview, that narrative is just embedded in that worldview. If the Christian worldview, for example, is a story. There is a beginning, there is a God who is the author of creation and of human beings, and their, their pur- the purpose of human beings is given by their creator. So there's purpose embedded in the entire worldview, in the entire perspective. Um, and so purpose and meaning kind of fit very comfortably within that worldview from what I can see. In atheism, there is no God. And so the only other purpose that, that I can see that could arise would be the, what you mentioned, survival or the propagation of the species. Some kind of evolutionary purpose could be the only other alternative, which um, I think rails against our personal experience of the kind of meaning we want for our lives and um, what, what I believe is the kind of meaning we do have as human beings. So those, those two distinctives I, I can see from those two worldviews. Gotcha. So do you think that if there is no God or gods, um, do you believe that humanity still has a meaning or purpose? Or do you think that it's sort of divorced from those two things outside of a um, theistic worldview? So, yeah, I think on atheism, the only other kind of purpose I can, that I'm aware of is the evolutionary purpose. If we've come... You know, if we've arrived through that evolutionary process, the purpose of evolution, if you can even speak of a purpose, is the survival and the propagation of your species. So that would be, yeah, the, the purpose of your life on atheism, from what I can see. Gotcha. So, yeah, and it, that's where it becomes a complicating sort of topic, right? Is because then you start having to try to suss out... Um, the reasons people do things if, if, um, you know, you're, you're following a scientific paradigm of, um, evolution, for instance. So if somebody commits an altruistic act that, um, ends in self-sacrifice, right? If you're thinking of a le- evolutionary viewpoint, you're saying, well, survival is the, is the purpose. Why would they do that? But well, I think, mm, go ahead. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, the one caveat around that would be um, looking at um, survival from a um, a collective view versus an individual view. So maybe if a self-sacrificing act were to preserve um, uh, life within the species, or you know some sort of 
movement that way, maybe then it would make sense within that, that context. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I think if the fundamental is survival and the propagation of the species, then I think what follows is every altruistic act that we would call altruistic or moral, it, it does boil down to an evolutionary source or an evolutionary foundation, which would be survival of myself, the propagation of my, um, my DNA and the perpetuation of my species. I think it does boil down to that though. Um, so altruism, uh, if we're defining it other than an act that helps me survive or propagate my kids or the species, um, it's nothing more than that at bottom. We may feel it is, but I think on that view, since the bottom is evolutionary survival, that's all it could be. Right. So, yeah. So then, it, it, see, and it's still, it's, it's difficult because humans behave in such complex ways that it's, you can think up a lot of scenarios where you'd think, well, man, how does this, how does this relate or whatnot? Um, another interesting one that, that I, I'm thinking of is um, if, if you have a deistic um, philosophical paradigm, which would be where um, you kind of believe in like the watchmaker God, right? So God mm -hmm. shows up, he creates the universe, and then he decides that he, he wants to do bigger and better things somewhere else. So he just kind of sets it running and then leaves it alone. Mm -hmm. In that paradigm, do you think there is any, that there would be any purpose? Yeah, I think even in deism, if you're positing a creator God, then uh, there is room there for purpose for that creator um, to have created us and all and the universe with a purpose in mind. I think there's room for that. But in an, in an atheistic worldview where there is no God or no creator, then there is no room for purpose because purpose is like intentional also by nature. From what I can tell, it's directional. It's something that really finds its home within a mental uh, environment, maybe like a mental, conceptual, conscious, like that kind of realm. So absence of consciousness, uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see how the word purpose or the concept even makes sense outside of a conscious context. Yeah, and then consciousness itself um, becomes kind of interesting if you're, again, if you're sticking with sort of an evolutionary paradigm um, and you're, if you're positing, all right, well, there is no God, there was a big bang, there was evolution, and then we're all here. Well, then it makes you wonder what is the evolutionary purpose of consciousness and of, and of the ability to think philosophically like we do? Well, how does this relate to survival? Because you can see there's many other animal species that get along just fine doing survival behaviors um, mm -hmm. without the sort of advanced thought that we have um, within it. Uh, exactly. I mean, I think consciousness is a huge problem for the evolutionist. Um, we appear to be the only species in the history of life to have consciousness. And I, I from my understanding, people don't, scientists and philosophers don't understand what it is really. It doesn't seem to be evolutionarily advantageous um, or necessary. Um, so I think that is a big problem. Yeah, um, yeah. Something they're, they're still talking about every day. Um, me personally, I tend to think of it on, on kind of a sliding scale, right? I, obviously, humans are at the top of that scale. 
Um, but we've talked about it before on the show. Like anybody who has a pet knows that every, every dog, every cat, every bird has its own personality. Like they're all different in some way. So there's something different going on in their brains that, that separates them from each other. But obviously the sort of advanced cognitive processes and the really, I think what it boils down to is the ability to self-reflect, to see yourself, Mm -hmm. um, within the context of the universe and, and society is kind of unique among humans. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also think it is kind of, it is a sliding scale. Um, animals are sentient, but as I thought about it, I think human beings are the only creatures that have, like you said, self-awareness that I am an individual. And as, as I thought about that, I think actually self-awareness seems to be tied to even the word I, like that language aspect of it, I, I asked myself the question, could could I know that I were an individual if I didn't have the word I? And I, I concluded, no, I don't think I can know that I am uh, an individual separate from other things without that word in existence. So there's some tie between language and consciousness as well, from what I can tell. I think that's it's probably an important connection there between language and, and self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. We talk about that, that on the show all the time, about how the way that you think is rendered within this, within the language. And the language is actually a, ver- a, a limiting thing. Yes. Um, so you're absolutely right. And um, that they've discussed that in philosophy too, um, like the difference between I and, and me. And I think that that's, that's what you're hitting at, is that you know animals, they have some sense of me but the I, the ability to self-reflect, the metacognition, those sorts of things, it's, it's sort of absent. That's interesting. Yeah, I haven't heard that distinction yet. But Yeah. Um, so there's always been a debate about whether people possess free will, um, even mm-hmm. with modern neuroscience research. Uh, do you think the purpose could exist if free will was an illusion? And this gets kind of tricky with mm-hmm. our... With our um, theistic and atheistic sort of discussion that we've been having. Yeah, I think it does. I don't think they're connected because what I just described um, as our purpose, from a theistic perspective, the purpose would be objective to me. It would be imposed on me by an outside actor, an agent, like God creates me for a particular purpose. So he also has a purpose, let's say, for trees, uh, for creating trees. And trees, for argument's sake, don't have free will. It doesn't mean trees don't have a purpose. If there is a God that created the tree with a purpose, then it does have a purpose. So I'm not sure those two things are tied together. Yeah, so I guess where it would where it would happen is if there was no free will and there was a God, mm-hmm. then the purpose of everything would be the purpose of God. Everything mm-hmm. everything would serve in a purpose towards God. Um, whereas if there, if there was a God and there was also free will, um, humans could have their own intentions. Mm -hmm. They could have their own intentions. Um, but the creating purpose of God might be, they'd sort of be at odds at that point. So I think what you're getting at is, so there's objective purpose. So on a theistic perspective, there can be an objective purpose to everything. Um, but without free will, can we genuinely 
even create our own subjective purposes? Uh, and I think, no. Yeah, if, if I didn't have free will, I wouldn't be the one creating my goals. It would be the uh, physical chemical reactions in my brain that are determining the purposes or the goals that I set. So, I mean, as I think, as I speak that through, I'm thinking the goals, I can still have goals, but they just wouldn't be freely determined by myself. If I didn't have free will, they would, they would be determined. They wouldn't be freely chosen, I think is the, the distinction that I'm hearing. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it becomes pretty interesting because if you, if you take a deterministic paradigm where you don't actually have any control over what happens in life. It's all predetermined. You wouldn't know that. Um, and so you would think that you were doing things with a purpose and a meaning of your own, but really would all be pre, um, predetermined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, so I, hmm, that's kind of an interesting point. Um, yeah, so you and I could be, uh, predetermined. And I think a lot of people do believe that we don't have free will, genuine free will. We're not making genuine free decisions, but our thoughts, our words, our emotions, all of our actions are determined by physics and chemistry. And from the big bang, it's all, it's a tape being played out by cause and effect. Yeah. Like really, you know, if space and time are the same thing, pretty much if you can zoom out far enough and just see space and time is one thing you'd be able to see the entire course of our life played out and we would have had no control in it it would have just been how matter unified us and then how biochemical processes sort of conditioned us into acting the way we did so really you and i had no choice but to record this podcast right yeah and you could take you. you could take the theistic viewpoint and say um well god or god's created earth or, you know, the universe at the beginning of time and they planned everything out and they knew that we would, this would go exactly the way that it did. And that's, mm-hmm. would be a theistic determinism. Mm-hmm. And if we had theistic free will, mm-hmm. then that would say that God created us, gave us free will, and he doesn't know how it's going to end. Yeah, which, that, that's a view called open theism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, I think, what would sort of be a traditional view of, you know, free will within atheism, which is just that, okay, well, um, there was no God, everything progressed the way it did. um, But now I have uh, mental faculties that allow me to direct my behavior in different ways. So how you think, mm. yeah, how you think about how meaning and purpose relates in all those different scenarios, um, it all has pretty, pretty different outcomes. Um. So if free will does exist, mm-hmm. um, there's science to back up the fact that we don't always think rationally. Um, oh, can you give us, can you have intentional purpose um, if we're acting um, irrationally, like emotionally versus logically? So let me take a step back. What I like to do, uh, as I thought about this question, is I, I think free will is necessary for rationality itself. Um, I don't think people make rational decisions most of the time. I think most of our decisions actually are determined by our chemistry, what we ate. We're not making rational decisions most of the time. Um, But in order to make a rational decision, you have to make 
you have to choose to make a, um, you're choosing something, you're choosing a belief, you're choosing to make a decision or take an action based on good reasons, evidence and reason, right? That's what we would call a rational decision or a rational action. A choice is involved in there. Um, we are choosing to believe propositions and we're choosing to make decisions based on evidence and reason. So if you remove the aspect of choice, if we don't have a choice anymore, and whatever belief we hold, whatever action we take becomes determined, I think by definition that makes that decision, that belief, that action irrational by definition. So as I thought about it, free, free will seems to be necessary for rationality itself. And therefore the belief that we don't have free will seems to be self-defeating. It, if we didn't have free will, the belief that we didn't have free will would be irrational. So it's like, it's a self-defeating worldview and couldn't be held rationally. Yeah, there's some interesting um, things that pop up if you are a determinist, um, like uh, criminal justice, right? So if you think everything's predetermined, um, then is there any point in punishing criminals, right? Absolutely, because yeah. they, they had no choice in the matter, right? They, they were predetermined to do this thing. So exactly. why should we, you know, why should we punish them? So yeah, exactly. I think that some weird stuff pops up um, if, you, if you start to um, go down a deterministic viewpoint. Rationality is a little bit different. It's kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, right? Um, human, the human cognitive process is so um, fascinating and, and sophisticated that we can automate just huge amounts of our mm -hmm. lives. You know, yeah. we, you, can, you get used to your drive to work and, and before you know it, you're not even noticing that you drove to work. You're just, Absolutely. you're there, you know, yep. um, you know, eating, breathing, mm -hmm. all this different stuff is, is just automatic. Mm -hmm. um, now, when it comes to purpose, now, so in those sorts of cases, you might still have the purpose, the purpose of, of survival or to getting, getting to work. Right. Um, but it's almost as if those, those things sort of lack meaning to you because you're not putting intentional thought into them. It's almost like there's this um, triangulation between purpose and meaning and intentionality. Like intentionality is, is kind of required for, for the meaning part of it. You can have the purpose, um, but what do you think? Do you think you can have purpose without it having meaning? So as, as I'm thinking through it right now, I haven't thought about it very deeply. Initially, I'm thinking there isn't a connection between free will or intentionality and whether something is meaningful or not. As long as there is a purpose, whether it's uh, a purpose that I've created or a purpose imposed on me from the outside, as long as the purpose is there, my action uh, can be meaningful or is meaningful to the person who's giving me that purpose. Um, if I didn't have free will to, to create my, set my own goals or create my own purposes, then, then it couldn't be meaningful for me, I guess, because I didn't set that goal. I didn't set that purpose. So, um, whatever meaning 
there would be in my life or in my action, it would be to that it would be to God. If God is there and he has a purpose for my life, then any meaning that uh, my life would entail would be meaningful to him, but it wouldn't be meaningful to me because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I guess, I don't know. I wouldn't be genuinely self-aware. Is that, no, that doesn't follow. Yeah, it's a difficult question. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to our uh, our Frodo Baggins taking taking the mm-hmm. ring back to Mordor, right? Mm-hmm. So he he has this purpose to take the ring to Mordor. Yeah. Along the way, the experiences that he has are meaningful to the purpose that he has, right? Which is taking the ring back. Yep. But let's say along the way, you know, he's having elevensies, right? You know, he's mm-hmm. he's eating eating breakfast, doing these different things. Mm-hmm. These are all things that are necessary in order to fulfill his purpose. Right. But they're not necessarily meaningful to the purpose behind it. So do you think that those experiences are only meaningful to the original purpose if he's intentionally engaging with those um, those experiences in, in the context of the purpose that he has? Uh, that's a really complicated way of phrasing that. <laughs> I don't think so. I think even eating would be, like you said, it, eating is meaningful because it's necessary to progress uh, the character toward the purpose. So everything becomes meaningful in the presence of a purpose, um, in the absence of the purpose, and nothing becomes meaningful. Yeah, this comes kind of back to sort of mindfulness stuff, right? A lot of people, um, you know, one way they, they tell you that you can sort of um, regain a, a, a feeling of purpose or meaning in your life is engaging with these mindfulness exercises that sort of keep you in the moment and make you realize that some of the small things you do every day um, are meaningful and, and can be enjoyable and, and that sort of thing. Yes and no. Um, I feel like, again, I'm, I just go back to the point, you can be mindful and aware of what you're doing in the present, but if it doesn't matter toward a goal, if you don't have a goal, and I'm using goal and purpose kind of interchangeably, if there isn't a goal, then what does it mean for that to, to be meaningful? What does it mean for um, what I'm doing now to matter? I think things matter in relation to goals and purposes. Even if it's a goal that I've set for myself, um, that needs to be there for meaning to make sense. Okay. So yeah, let's say um, yeah, I'm trying to think of another hypothetical. I'll ask um one other question in the meantime. Um, so given the questions we've looked at so far, um, what are the different ways morality could be affected by purpose? Okay, yeah, this is really cool. Um, so th- these are some thoughts I've had recently, and it's like it's kind of a long chain of arguments, but. I'll try to do it really quickly. So um, again, I'm a theist. So I think the foundation of the whole chain, the starting point is love. I think because God loves me, the nature of love is purposeful. It's directional. So I love my son. That doesn't mean I just want good things to happen to him. I want him to become a good person. There's directionality and I've got a purpose um, embedded within the love I have for my child. So love and purpose seems to be quite tied together in that way. Um, so 
going back to myself, if I am loved and God has a purpose purpose for me, um, I see morality as the like the, the map or the way or the path to achieving that purpose. So morality kind of takes on this uh, this meaning, and it, it's the map or the way that I will achieve the purpose God has for me. Um, and to the degree that I am following that map and obeying those moral laws and commands, to that degree, I will achieve God's purpose for me. So I think in that sense, love, purpose, morality um, are tied together and relate to each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, it gets interesting. Um, thinking about it. So, okay. So you're, you're a theist. Um, do you believe in free will or not? I do. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I guess the final question would be, I'm not trying to put you in a tricky spot, but no. so if you believe in God and you believe in free will, do you believe that things are preordained? Do like, do you believe that your mm. life and decisions are um, set beforehand or do you think that they, they are changing over time? Yeah, so I am a, what's called a compatibilist, where I do believe God is sovereign and he has a plan. He's got uh, things prepared for me to do. It's all like mapped out. It's all planned. He's, he knows the beginning and he knows the end. So I believe in that, but I'm a compatibilist because I think that is compatible with me also having free will. I can't explain to you how these two concepts are compatible, but I can, that's my position. I think free will, genuine free will, and um, God's determinism somehow fit together, even though I can't come up with a way that they do. And some of the examples that I think of are, I think reality is like that. I think as I look at reality, I think reality is far more complex than um, even human beings are capable, capable of understanding. And we have to come up with new categories to understand, even things like light, for example. I think the particle wave theory of light was a new category that someone decided, you know, light behaves like a wave at times and like a particle at times. We don't have a category for that. So we're just going to mush those concepts together and come up with a particle wave theory of light. Um, I think it's one of those things where reality uh, expresses itself and shows itself to be a particular way. And I don't have the categories to make sense of that, and like make, make those things fit nicely, but reality is reality. And so I hold those two concepts in tension together. Gotcha. Yeah, no, um, on the show, we don't, um, we don't disparage, um, people who, who believe in God because, um, essentially if you go back far enough with any philosophical argument, right, you, there comes a point where you have to have initial assumptions. Yep. Um, so at some point you're going to have to put your your trust or your faith or your belief into something and Absolutely. whether that's science or evolution or a god or a pantheon of gods whatever it is at some point you do have to um sort of take a leap of faith and say hey listen i i can't explain why this is the way it is but this is what i believe and Absolutely. then you start building your arguments off from that point um yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, and I think, you know, compatibilism is, out of all the scenarios, uh, that is the one that seems to make the most sense. Whereas, if you believe there is a God, 
um, and especially within uh, a sort of um, biblical or Christian worldview, it makes sense for him to know the beginning and know the end, but then for how you get there in between to be sort of up in the air. Because otherwise, if you if you say it's completely determined, that re- that sort of raises a lot of issues with what sort of choice people have in actually becoming Christians and, and going to heaven versus hell or these sorts of things. Um, if you say it's completely predetermined. Um, but if you say it, it that people have complete free will, like mm-hmm. we talked about earlier in the episode, then that opens the door to the possibility that God doesn't actually know how things are going to end, which exactly. within a Christian paradigm creates a lot of issues. So, right. yep. yeah, so, yeah, I think that's why that this particular view kind of um, holds the, what they, what we see in the Bible along with our personal experience and doesn't want to discount anything. It just kind of holds everything together and says, okay, this is what we're, seeing in the world and what we're receiving in the word and trying to keep it all together. We don't want to compromise anything. Um, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Well, um, that was great. Thank you. You know, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being willing to um, express your own beliefs, your own, your own thoughts. Um, It was a real interesting conversation. Um, Do you want to um, go ahead and and plug yourself again? Let the audience know um, anything else before we sign off? Sure. Uh, they can learn more about myself and my work at custommobile.app. That's just our URL web address. They want to explore making an app for their show or for their small business. We'd be happy to support them. If they come through your show, we can give them their first month free as well as a, a bonus. Um, yeah. So looking forward Excellent. to connecting with your listeners. All right. Hey, John, thanks a lot. Thank you, Joel. It was a great conversation. Until next time, keep pondering. 